What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Ronnie Osani Show. Today's guest is the great Oliver Jackson. <laughs> Found it. Do you like that? The great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Oliver Jackson, the great. <laughs> uh, founder and CEO of Living Property. Um, a bit about Oliver. Oliver is a buyer's agent, uh, buyer's advocate, property advisor, and expert negotiator. Um, Living Property specializes in sourcing and accessing all market stock, including pre, post, and off-market properties with experts, uh, expert negotiators securing your next property. Um, so you guys help clients who are time poor or have limited time to research a property, um, want to leverage experts' knowledge, are perhaps FIFA of overpaying or maybe had a bad experience in the past, or prefer to delegate the entire process to someone who knows what to do and what the heck they're doing. Um, some of the people that you, some of the types of clients that you work with are first home buyers, primary residence upgraders, property investors, uh, developers, and overseas or interstate buyers. That's a massive list of <laughs> type of people <laughs> and clients that you work with. Uh, well done. And aside from your professional background, um, on, a, on a personal level, You've been doing some really, really cool stuff. Um, I've been kind of watching from afar over the last 12 months, especially with the pandemic kicking in. Um, so you started doing marathons and triathlons and things like that. So I kind of want to, you know, maybe, so for everyone listening, we'll probably spend the first half of the episode talking about um, personal stuff, self-development um, self and how... You know, you spent the last maybe year or two uh, pushing yourself in different directions to constantly um, push boundaries and and um, improve yourself in every way possible, which is something I strive to do as well. And then the second half, we'll talk about the really exciting stuff, property buying. <laughs> yeah, everyone gets excited about property. Yeah. <laughs> what is up, everyone? This is Ronnie, your host of the Ronnie Osanyu Show. My number one goal in this show is to bring you some of the most amazing and accomplished individuals in the business world to share with you some real, raw, and authentic business insights. We sit down and talk in a casual setting, nothing too serious, yet we unpack some of the most incredible ideas, concepts, and best practices. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Oh, and don't forget to share the love. Like, share, and subscribe. Gracias, amigos. Um... Okay, cool. So how did the whole marathon and triathlon stuff come about? Um, thanks for having me, by the way. Anytime. It's a pleasure man. to be here. Thank um, you. So the marathon, a, a friend of mine, um, I think he texted me and goes, I'm raising some money to do a, for charity. Do you want to do a marathon? And I haven't run in probably 14 years, I reckon. And uh, I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Why not? What else am I going to yeah. do? It's coronavirus locked yeah. in i'm allowed to go out for an hour i may as well do some running and um i first run i ran three k's and it like I, i'm quite a fit person but i yeah. i ran three k's and I'm, i was like oh my god <laughs> this is horrible yeah and then i was like he he rang me the next day he goes how'd you go and i was like yeah, yeah, yeah. no it was, it was fine it was fine it was mm. fine and he goes do you want to do an ultra marathon like i'm thinking we'll do an ultra which is was 63 k's and i just went yeah okay yeah, no worries. So he's like, there's 150 of us and only three of us are going to do the ultra marathon. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Why not? Yeah. And I was eating a lot of 
locked in, drinking heaps of beers, getting high, eating burgers, chips, like just the, yeah. the okay, we're locked in, let's just get loose kind of thing. Yeah. And then I started doing this running and I was like, no, this is, isn't congruent with what I'm doing. No. So yeah. I was like, that's it. I read a book called Finding Ultra by Rich Roll. Finding Ultra. By Rich Roll. Okay. And he was 38, which I am. He was unhealthy yeah. um, and he went vegan and then started to run. And now right. he's one of the best enduro triathletes in the world. Wow. And he's in his 50s. So the next day I quit drugs, alcohol, coffee, sugar, and went vegan for 30 days just to get my training going, just so I could break all the bad cycles of things. Yeah. Like I'm, I was majorily healthy, but when lockdown happened, it was just like, oh, why not? Let's just have yeah. a few beers. So I quit everything that day for 30 days. And then I got to 30 days and I was like, I think I got up to like a 25K run. Um, I have a few coaches that kind of obviously helped me through it. Mm. And when I got to the 30 days, I was like, I'll do another 30 days. Another 30 days. That was, I think, 10 months ago now. Haven't haven't wavered off it at all. I'm actually mm. for... Actually, no, I have, I've had one beer. For life, I... That's going to be me. Everyone a beer. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually after I did the ultra. I was like, yeah. give me a beer. Yeah. Um, but so that's my life now. Like My life is literally 100% health-based. Absolutely. That's that's super inspiring to hear. But um, I, I, I wonder, when you read that book... And when you said to your friend that you're going to go on the uh, ultra marathon, that decision of quitting everything and switching your diet, these are a lot of different things that you're quitting and, and, and moving away from and tapping into this brain power that allows you to consistently staying away and focusing on the other side. You know, normally people... Uh, with habits, they try to quit one thing at a time or adopt one habit at, at a time. I mean, you're almost like a year in and you manage to like flip a switch on five or six things. Mm. And I find that super intriguing. Like how did you, what, what, was there a lot of energy or was there a lot of, have you been thinking about it for a long time? What kind of what would you attribute to how you were able to manage all of that? Uh, I wasn't thinking about it at all, actually. So I read the book and I was like, okay, that works for Rich Roll. Like I've always been into CrossFit, so it was always very meat orientated. Mm. Um, when I, I, I spent 15 years of my life getting absolutely wasted, just partying my, my ass yeah. off, I, I went full ball at that. I was a professional. Mm. Um, and then when I wanted to stop, I just stopped. I was, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm done. Stop. Read this book. I said, okay, well, Rich Roll can go vegan. Maybe I can go vegan. And I was mm. like, well, coffee dehydrates me. Alcohol is the gateway to shit food and drugs. Drugs are no good. Um, bad food was making me slow digestions, burgers, chips. None of it was making sense. Mm. So when you spend you know, half your life, you're doing yoga, exercise, meditation, and then the other part of your life, you're doing all this crap that's not serving you. I read the book and I was like, okay, cool. cool that's what I'm doing. Mm. just did it I same with the run I was like okay I'm doing it I'm just gonna do it I, I don't know how but I seem to be able to just flick the switch whenever I want and not waver like wow. yesterday I, I had lunch with some friends and the food was ridiculous like mm. all my favorite things that I can't eat anymore mm. what are and, we talking about tell us uh, like sneak peek. You know, like Japanese fried chicken oh. and like all this like amazing stuff it's uh, went for Mexican last night it was like 
Faja tacos, like yeah. fish tacos, like mm. the stuff when I traveled through Mexico, that's all I was eating. Yeah. And they were all just like, come just have one. I was just like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. Like, this is what I'm doing now. Like, I just shut it off. As, as enjoyable as it looks, it's like if I break now, then it's, it's over. So I'm just not going. Until one day, maybe I will. But right now, no. Nah. Yeah. Do you find that um, your friends, do you find that when people say you've got to surround yourself with the right people, do you find that to be true at least for you or some people you know that for you to be able to continue on that trajectory, you had to make some changes in your social circle? Um, so I did make a lot of changes, but I, it hasn't made that easier or harder for me. Like, even if I was hanging out with people who all I did was eat crap and that, I still wouldn't do it. Yeah. But I have eliminated a lot of people out of my life more for the energy that they took from me um, in other ways, not yeah. so much for my habits. Like, mm. I can, I can be there in a room and not have it and not get pressured by anyone. Mm. But I have taken a lot of people out of my life who aren't on the same path as me. They're not, right. you know, I've, I've people that are negative, stuck in the old ways, don't mm. see the light through it. I've yeah. got rid of those people out of my life. And now I, I hang out with a lot of people who are very successful, who have the same, not maybe not financially, but fit, fit healthy, like mentally. Like, yeah. But mm. that's just cause I like, we like to have the same conversations. My yeah. conversations now have changed with people mm. from, crap that you used to talk about to totally different things mm. so but that hasn't changed the reason why it was easier for me to quit all that stuff yeah I, th I think in a way indirectly it helped yeah because you not being energy drained gave you more energy to focus and continue what you do yeah and i like i train a lot so i'm yeah. training for a triathlon so like i i could do because I've, I've got four-year-old twins and i have them 50 percent of the time so I can't do a four or five hour, I've got an indoor treadmill indoor trainer for when yeah. I have my kids because I can't just leave them in the house. So I have to do, sometimes put them to bed at 7.30. I have to do a five hour ride to one o'clock in the morning. Mm. They wake up at 5.30 and then I have to do another run for like two hours. So if I have no energy because I'm drained because of someone else, it's pretty hard to do. Like four to five hours a day of training. Yeah. You've got a full-time job, business, two kids, like time yeah. and energy is the, the most important thing. A hundred percent. And if I have a bad diet, that's going to suck all my energy. If I don't sleep properly because I'm stressed out because one of my mates is stressing me out about some shit that's got nothing to do with me, that's not going to help. Mm. So I, you have to eliminate so many things. So I guess it all does go hand in hand. Mm. Eliminate all the crap and then you can fully focus on yourself, which is mm. the best part I think about what's happened with COVID. It's given everyone, a, no one's used, not everyone's used it properly, but it's given everyone a, a chance to 100% focus on themselves. Because mm. I don't have the excuse of, I've got to go to a meeting. I've got to drive. I've got to do this. It's like, stuck at home, focus. You've got no excuse. You've got no excuse but to yeah. focus on yourself and your kids and your work. Yeah. And obviously, we're not trying to be harsh. Like, a lot of people went through um, difficult times, right, financially. But what we're saying here is that being forced to be at home gives you a lot of time to self-reflect, to... You know, you, you're saving at least an hour, maybe more, on, on your commute time. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of time that you had uh, during the lockdown that you could have used to the best of your abilities, and you have done that, right? Mm -hmm. You use that to transform a lot of things. Um, I want to go into running. Mm -hmm. I'm not a runner. <laughs> I appreciate runners. I uh, listen to the 
David Goggins book mm -hmm. and I watched his entire episode with Joe Rogan. I know a lot about him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of that, you probably know a lot more, but I feel like you almost tapped into something similar mm -hmm. to what he always talks about, which is uh, flipping that switch in your mind where you just don't feel the pain after some point. You, you just keep going. The pain is sort of still there, but you just, it doesn't bother you as much and you could just power through it and keep going and going and going. So how's, how's that? Like, is that true for you? And how do you, how do you see it? The thing I love about like exercise and fitness where I don't think a lot of people think like too much, they think they're exercising, but fitness is the best. It's the closest thing to life, right? So if you're doing a run and, yep things are shit and your legs are sore. You go, I'm going to run 10 Ks, five Ks in your calves cramp up and you either give up or you just go, no, no, I'm running 10 Ks. I've got to stick through it. Same with life. When shit gets hard, people either bail out and they can't handle it or they push through and see the light to the other side. Mm. Like it's so similar. Like mm. same with CrossFit. It was horrible. It's a, such a horrible mm. thing to do because it's so hard. Mm. But when you fight through it and you finish it, if you, you don't die, yeah? So running yeah. 60 Ks that I just ran, all I was thinking to myself was, well, I'm not going to fucking die. So wh mm. what's the worst thing you can do? Like, yeah. I catch an Uber. Like, yeah. It's like, no, I'm doing it. And that's the same with life. It, David Goggins calls it callousing the mind. It's like, yeah. you've got to callous in your mind. So you're constantly doing it. It's like life. I push my life to the boundaries in every way possible. Mm. I've done some stupid shit. Mm. Like I've ended up in prison for drugs, like all sorts mm. of stuff. And... The reason that I've been able to get through, I just went through a really like pretty bad divorce, like mm. lost a lot, most of my money. Um, like the ups and downs of my life is what's made me be able to deal with stuff like COVID. Like to be yeah. able to flip that easily and just go, okay, business has got to change. Why, I'm not going to stress out about it. Where a lot of people haven't been through much in their life that they haven't been able to flip it because it's the mm. first thing they've been through. It's the same with training. It's mm. like, yeah, I try, I, I'm so consistent with my training that when it gets bad, it's just another training session. Mm. It's like, okay, well, that's right. I'm having a bad day. Worse than yesterday. Better than probably one of the other sessions I've done. Yeah. So it's just all about consistency and pushing yourself to your limits without breaking. Sometimes you break. You break, you break. Do you look forward to the running high that you get at the end? Um, Does that, is that one of the things that motivate you to run or? Well, I run, I live in a national park. So I run like through trees that are 300 years old. Yeah. Like it's amazing. It's literally a form of meditation. Mm. So I could run for four hours and just be completely zoned out. I could listen to the same song 30 times and not even realize. Like I'm that zoned out. Wow. So I don't know if it's a run is high. Or what, I don't know what to call it, but it's like I actually get probably more meditation, meditative state out of that than actually meditating. Mm. Like it just, everything shuts off. It's when I, and when I did the ultra, I stared at one spot on the ground for six hours and just ran. Wow. When it was good, when it was bad, I couldn't have told you what the weather was, who I was running past. I just looked down wow. and just ran for six hours. When it, for about an hour towards the end, my cars were cramping up and I was just like, keep running, just keep going. I just kept thinking David Goggins. I actually thought David Goggins a lot. I was like, just dig deep inside the cookie jar. Like you're gonna get there. You'll find mm. a cookie, you'll find a cookie. And the the one thing I wanna, I wanna understand is after you, because I used to run, but not that long, obviously. Mm -hmm. But uh, in my experience, there was this stage when you when you run where you hit that point where you're like, okay, 
you tell yourself, okay, dig deep. But after you overcome that sort of stage, it gets a lot easier. And you just go into this autopilot mode where you're just running. Mm. And maybe two hours later, you're like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, everything is broken now. But um, is that true? So is that is that like, or are you constantly through the entire 60K talking to yourself and saying, hey, dig deep, dig deep? So I was, I just wanted to win, right? Like I knew I could win this race. Like with the triathlon, I know I can't win because I'm not strong enough with the swim and the ride. But with this run, I knew I could win. Um, so I knew what pace I had to go at. And the guy who was beating me, who's a friend of mine, he was beating me for about four or five hours. And all I was just looking at my pace, I didn't, didn't waver from my pace because if I tried to follow him, that's how you smoke yourself. So I just followed him kind of, he was about seven minutes in front of me. Um, and then once I overtook him, I got caught up to him and I was like, okay, I've got, I've got him. Mm. And that's when my body started to actually break down. Mm. So I got past him and I was like, okay, see, see you later, buddy. Um, that's when my body started to break down. And for about an hour, it was pretty torturous. Um, for the last hour though, I just, just, just kept going. Just, just got to beat him. He might be catching me. So it might be catching you. Just keep going, keep going. And then I kind of broke through it. I actually got a bit towards the end. I was like, fuck that hour that I was in pain. If I'd have just kept running, I would have got a heaps better time. Mm. <laughs> That's all I was thinking to myself. Yeah. It was like, how, why did I let myself get defeated for that one hour? Mm. Um, so the next time I do one, I'm going to try. And when I get to that point, just push through it more than what I did. Mm. Because that, my time could have been 20 minutes faster. Yeah. And it was because of that one hour that I kind of let my brain overtake me mm. and go and, and slow down. Um, still now pisses me off. Mm. Um, but I got through, a lot of people probably would have stopped because it was, it was pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, so next time, hopefully I'll be stronger. Yeah. But that's it. It's a callus of the mind. It's, I'd never done it before. Now I have next time. Yeah. Just do it better. Do you think that mental toughness is like your biggest, uh, payoff from exercising, running, especially when you, apply it to business 100 percent. that's the one thing i'm not man i'm nearly 40 i'm not the most gifted athlete but literally mentally no one can beat me like that's that's i think that's why my friend asked me to do it because he knew i'd just do it yeah (laughs) because he's like yeah you'll be right i know you'll get through it um it's the same when i when i went to prison i was just like okay cool uh this sucks but i'll be right let's get through it and i came out better Mm. um stronger um uh, business, I quit a $350,000 a year construction job to start my own business mm. in real estate. It's like, it's a pretty, big, it's a pretty big shock yeah. <laughs> when you're going from that kind of cash. Um, and then I went through, a d- I started it with my wife and then we got divorced halfway through the business and all the stuff that she was doing was obviously the stuff that I didn't, couldn't do or didn't want to do. So I had to learn all that during COVID, during a divorce. And I was just like, mental, my mental toughness was like, uh, I'll get through it. That's all I have to keep thinking. You'll get through mm. it. If I end up with no money at the end of it, I'll make more. It's not that hard. So were you always like that? Or did that massively, that mental toughness massively increase over the last two years? Or maybe at, at different times of your life, um, it took a massive boost because of the circumstances? I think I've always been like that. I was the youngest of two brothers. One of them picked on me a fair bit. Um, yeah. So I kind of worked out ways to get around that. Mm. Like we were mates, but he still picked on me. Um, yeah. I always had something to prove. 
Um, never, never pick on a younger brother. <laughs> They'll always come back, back at you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, mean, we didn't, I didn't come from a very wealthy, wealthy family at all. Yep. Um, so anything I ever wanted, I had to get it myself. Mm. You know, I always wanted the new computer, the new TV. Yep. So I did whatever I had to do to get it. Mm. Um, I never, ever, if I wanted something, I always got it mm. somehow. A lot of times I did it illegally. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, that's just yeah. what happens when you're in that kind of situation. It's just street, street smarts. So I think I've always been like that. I've never, ever said, no, I can't do it. Like, I don't think I can win everything, mm. but I've always tried my hardest and gone, no, I can definitely do it. Man, it's super interesting that you mentioned that. So I think, here's my view. Success is a mindset of, one of, one of the most important mindsets is, if I want it, I'm going to get it. I'll make it happen. What differentiates successful entrepreneurs from people who end up in bad places are how they choose to go about it. Mm -hmm. Like you, you mentioned sometimes when you were younger, like you, you didn't choose the right way of getting what you want, but the very mindset of being super focused on what you want and determined to get it, I find to be very important to have as an entrepreneur. 100%. It's, you can't teach someone resilience and mental toughness mm. you can teach anyone how to read write do algorithms yeah. like if you really want to but you have to teach someone that kind of stuff like the word mindset has been thrown around like like i've never seen before it's mm. everyone's talking mindset it's like well how many people are you talking about it are you are you actually doing it like mm. it's awesome to read about it and hear about david goggins doing it but he actually went out and got it himself mm. like pushed himself through it it's, you can read a hundred books but how about you just go out there and try something that you're get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. Like read, I used to read so many books, like three, four a week. And yeah. I was just like, fuck, I've read all these books. I know, I know what to do. I'm just going to go do it. Like stop reading books. I stopped reading books. I was like, you know, I'm just going to stop for a while. Cause it was like, Absolutely. you can just keep reading and keep reading and keep reading the same thing over and over again. But if you don't execute, what's the point? So I just, to people out there, if you, want to get stronger mindset or be the next Grant Cardone, actually go and do it. Throw yourself in Like there. fail. Yeah. <laughs> Lose all your money. Like you're not, mm. it's not that, not that bad. We're not, we're not encouraging to you to lose any of your money. <laughs> just, just, get, just put, put it on the line though. Like actually <laughs> yeah. risk it. Like yeah. it's not gonna, it's seriously, you have to fail to get better. Absolutely. You have to. I would say fail small and succeed big. Yep. So make small failures or take risk in smaller things first, yep. which will teach you a lot of things for you to maximize your chances to, to succeed when it matters the most. Yeah. Well, when I, yeah. when I quit construction and started my business, I did both for six months. So I didn't just go, all right, see you later. I'm out of here. I'm going to like, mm -hmm. I did it smart way. Like I still yeah. did it the right way, but it's still risky. Do you do it side by side for yeah, quite a bit? It was yeah. brutal. I was working 85 hours a week and trying to run a business with, yeah, two-year-old twins. Wow! But that's what I wanted. Um, I still have to walk away from it, mm. but I didn't just go. All right, that's it. I'm going to throw it all away. But in my mind, that's what I was doing. I was 100% dedicated to it. Yeah. And if I lost everything, right, I'll make so it back. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, people need to. I think take more risks. It's a form of donation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take some risks. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Um. Do you have certain people or certain things in life, but more so people that you draw inspiration from 
um, whether it's like high profile people or even within family or friends. Um, and, and what, what do you really do to, to draw inspiration into your life? Um, I've got, I've had a lot of coaches. Yep. Um, and coaches that are the best at what they do, but coaches that you can teach each other stuff. I feel mm. if you have a coach that is constantly just teaching you stuff and you're not teaching them anything, I don't feel like that's a good coaching relationship. Yeah. I find, it, I find um, it's just someone telling you what their opinion is. Mm. Um, so I've got, you know, sales coach, marketing coach, personal development coach, training coach, my, my coach for my triathlon, mm. pro triathlete. Um, like if I've a uh, swimming coach, running coach, like if I need to get better at something, I'll get a specific coach for that and then work with them to a point where I'm fine. And then, you know, six months later, I might mm. work with them again. Um, so paying people that are a hell of a lot smarter than you mm. is so important. It's yeah. literally, it skips so many years of um, failure mm. of just like tapping into what they do. Yep. and using it to your advantage. It might not work. It might not be exactly the way that they do it, but just listening to what they do and how they did it, mate, I've, some of my coaches are a thousand bucks mm. an hour. I mean, you might only have to work with them once a year. Like, it, It's a form of learning from other people's mistakes. A hundred percent. And it's a way to shortcut um, the path to where you want to go or like your goals. Mm. And um, I, think, I think it's just about finding the right coach. For, I, I think... At start, you got to identify the areas that you really need to be coached in. Mm. So for you, for your business, you identify that you need to have a sales coach, someone that you know really tells you and, and helps you become a better seller because you need it mm -hmm. for your business. Same thing with marketing, whatever. So you got to really understand what are your weaknesses and what are the things that like are just non-negotiable. You have to have uh, someone or you have to get better at and is getting a coach the the shortest path to to getting there yes okay let me then oops a uh, a lighting malfunction <laughs> um and and uh finding the uh finding the right person so finding the right person i think is more challenging because mm. there's a lot of fake gurus out there in almost every single field so yeah. how do you go through them and find the right person everyone's a coach yeah <laughs> it's like the new thing yeah that's like everyone's a coach um find a person that resonates with you mm. um they might not be the best say they're the best at what they do but someone that resonates you and have actually eaten shit to get to where they got to mm. like if a coach is a coach because they've done a business course or a coaching course, but they haven't actually literally lost it all along the way and struggled mm. through it. Like the struggle is the gift and that's how you become a good coach. Um, if you, if they haven't done that, then they're not worth learning from. Like you could go to uni for 10 years mm. and I'd rather have someone that's done it and failed and has no education whatsoever. Yeah. It's got to be based on what they've accomplished. And also the sad stories that also can be fake, <laughs> you know, but uh, obviously there are a ton of great coaches out there in, in every single field. Like we're not shitting on coaches, <laughs> but you, you gotta be mindful of, you know, those that just didn't walk the path and are going, are, are very good in front of the camera and just saying, Hey, 
I'll I'll show you the way. Well, show me first that you've been there mm. and and prove that to me first. And I think that's what um a lot of people don't really dive into before they actually uh but anyway, going back to your inspiration. So you 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 use coaches as a main way to not only learn but also be inspired because you look at their journey and you're like, wow, okay. Mm. That's something I I want to get to. All of the all of the coaches I've had, I've taught them stuff as well. So it's reciprocal. Wow. So they're my coach for a certain thing, but then they're like, oh, what are you doing there? Well, that's I'm going to try that. Mm. So they might be a very high-profile coach, but if I, I can teach them something as well, mm. that's a relationship that you want. It's not yeah. just someone going, no, do it like this. And it's like, well, that, I, don't, I don't feel that's going to work for me. Okay, why? And then you explain to it, and they're like, okay, that makes sense. Instead of them just going, no, do it this way. Yeah. Because it might not fit for me. Yeah. So if they're so in their head that they can't see past their own shit mm. and go, okay, that might not work for you, then that's not what I find is a good coach, mentor, whatever the hell mm. they are these, these days. I can't keep up. But um, yeah, you need to be able to teach each other stuff. Mm. Um, and if I see a lot of people with all these mentors and they just go, oh, they told me I have to do this, so i got to do it. So they follow their every word. They don't challenge it. That's dangerous. Mm. <laughs> it's like you've got yeah. your own, you've got to still follow what you want to do and what you believe in as well. Yep. So you've got to, I think, be at a point you got to be at a point where you're ready or you know enough about what you want that you can take someone else's advice instead of being so lost that you just go, oh, I'm just going to do what this person says because that's mm. a recipe for failure. you got to collect advice too, not be- yeah. before taking it on board. you got to, I think, that you have to speak to different people and not just take one advice or one angle or one perspective. Um and it's kind of hard, like it's easy to do if you're a CEO or if you're, you know, a chairman of, you know, an organization, whatever. You have a lot of people around you to ask. But if you're an entrepreneur, limited resources, or if you're a small business owner, or if you're, um, you know, a young athlete, you might not have that. So you're going to have to go out and reach out and, and ask. Um, but you got to also process all that stuff and, and see what works for you and what makes sense. Yeah, when I started my business... I um actually when I do anything triathlon business whatever it ever been mm. I reach out to the best person that I think in that industry mm. and just reach out to them and be like hey this is what I'm doing I'm really excited about it you have five minutes just ex- mm. talk to me about anything um ninety nine percent of the time they say yes yep even a five minute chat and then you build rapport with them you end up maybe even having a friendship and they might not coach you you might not have to pay them anything but it's just getting into their ecosystem mm. where they go, look, I can't do it. I'm too busy or, you know, that's not what I do. Talk to this person, talk to that person. Mm. So every single coach or mentor I've had has been a referral of someone else who's been at the, the top of the top mm. that I wanted to know about. Yeah, Triathlon was a f- uh, someone introduced me to my coach mm. and he's a legend. And he's yep. like, yeah, I'll, I'll tra- coach. He goes, I don't really coach people, but mm. I'll coach you. Um, my business coach came through someone else that I knew like through who I met through mm. just reaching out to them on LinkedIn or whatever. So it's all in pe- getting into people's ecosystems that you want to be involved in. Mm. It doesn't have to cost you money to write yeah. someone an email or make a phone call. Yeah, I, I always talk about that. Like experts and coaches and mentors are w- more than willing to, to share their information. This whole idea that people are, you know, being protective about the knowledge and don't want to share. This is a myth. This mm-hmm. is a lie. 
I think the majority of experts are more than willing to share golden nuggets and 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 help you, and not necessarily for money. A lot of them will give you very good piece of advice without asking for money because and that's that's for me that's what i always think about why do people do that there's a a sense of satisfaction and Mm. call it self-actualization whatever you want to call it that when you pass on knowledge to someone who's hungry for it there's this rewarding feeling that you get that money does not give to you Mm -hmm. And and that's why I think a lot of people are willing to help you out if you just reach out. And you find that the ones that are willing to just give it to you is someone that's been, they're looking at you going, that's where I was 10, 20, 30 years ago. Mm. If someone just wants your money, then you know they probably haven't been there because they don't, they can't look at you and go, oh, I remember being like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to help you. Like mm. people don't have an information problem. They have an execution problem, right? Mm. So these people know, look, I can give you all the information, but. Mm. If you need to execute, you might need to come back to me. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I've never had anyone hold back any information. Mm. I've had people literally email me their whole business frameworks of how they built their billion dollar business. Wow. It's like, here you go. doesn't mean I'm going to be able to comp- copy it. I'm not that mm. person. Because they understand it's about execution as yeah, well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's like, uh, if you're really that driven, if you're really that driven, then yeah, make it happen. Yep. And they hope that they hope they probably hope you do make it happen because mm. someone who's really successful isn't scared about yeah. you in any way. If someone's worried about you, like the real estate industry, everyone's always worried about oh, what's that guy doing? Like these people mm. stealing science. Have you seen the people stealing real estate science? No. It's like <laughs> there's people actually stealing other people's real estate signs from the front of houses. Wow. Yeah, it's like that person's putting all their energy into the totally wrong thing. They should be focusing on what they're doing, not what everyone else is doing. So unbelievable. Yeah. So that's what I think. The best so people. they steal it and then do what? And they just... So if there's like a, uh, say, open for inspection sign up the road, they'll yeah. take it so no one knows at the open inspection of the other companies up the road. I see. Okay. It's wow. Like, okay. Your your energy is going in the wrong place. You'll find the best of the best. Well, they'll they'll put your sign out for you <laughs> to help you. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. helping people, reciprocal, like that's how you get good positive energy. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. It probably works in the short term, maybe that day, maybe yeah. maybe it does work, and maybe that's why they do it. But long term, it's a sure recipe for a disaster. Because once you have that reputation, it's done. You're done. No one will trust you in the industry. No one, your customers, no one. And I'm not talking specifically about yeah. that in general. Yeah, yeah. Like well, someone's going to find you out this day. Or it takes someone to film you going, okay, that looks a bit weird. I'll film that, send it yeah. to someone, then you're gone. Like, yeah. Did that? How did that work out for you? And that goes viral. You're done. Yeah. You're finished. <laughs> oh, it's, mate, yeah. You won't. You'll see people who are the best will help you and mm. show you the way that they did it. Yeah. Sweet. We uh, covered quite a, a a sweet bit of things in the personal slash entrepreneurship side. Maybe it is time to dive into your favorite topic of all time: <laughs> property buying. So. Property in general, real estate, mm-hmm. is something that a lot of people are passionate about. A lot of people also, besides that, do it for the opportunities of wealth that you know it comes with. I, I'm a firm believer that you can't be successful at anything if you're not passionate about it. 100%. You might get some level of success in it, but longevity true success 
is not going to come if you're not truly enjoying what you're doing. Because at some point you're going to wake up and say, okay, uh, you couldn't pay me that much to wake up today to do that because I hate or I don't enjoy it. It just, it's not for me. Um, what at, at what point did you sort of realize that, hey, I'm, I'm very passionate about property? Um, it's a good point. I will say one thing. If pe- I, f- I find people, when they realize, like, it's like triathlon, right? Mm. I've got to be, feel like, how do you train so much? I enjoy it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's like CrossFit. Why did you train so much? Because I enjoy it. And then one day I woke up, I was like, you know what? I don't like CrossFit anymore. Mm. So I, I pivoted to something else. Mm. I think people put so much energy into something and when it, they push it too far, so they get to a point and they just go, oh, I've, got to, I've got to keep doing it because mm. not, I'm not saying give up on, on something because it gets hard, but mm. when you actually have lost the passion and love for it, mm. there's nothing wrong with walking away from it. Yeah. Um, which what happened in construction. I loved it. Like I actually enjoyed it. And then it was just like, which is what happens with so many people in construction because mm. they paid so much money. It's like, mm. I can't walk away from this, but it's like, mm. I, I don't, I hate it. I don't want to yep. be here. So that's when I started looking for other things. Yeah. So for me, construction got paid well, started buying property, buying, buying and renovating, built quite a big portfolio. Yep. And that wasn't like a passion. It was just like, I put my money into it. I enjoyed mm. renovating. It was making me money. Mm. Um, saw the long-term, obviously property in Australia is, you know, one of the greatest things you can invest in. Everyone loves mm. property. Go to a barbecue, yep. everyone's talking about freaking property. Yeah. Um, and a kind of actually a friend of mine who actually helped me buy my first property was a buyer's agent. And um, I just looked at his lifestyle. Um, it's like, oh, you gotta, is this actually a job? <laughs> like, this, is a, this is awesome. Um, and he just really showed me a lot of like of what it was. And, mm. and so that's when I, uh, I met another guy, Ben Handler, who's one of my best mates now. And he was my first Shout coach. Shout out to Ben. And legend. I've just been to his house for the last couple of days. Yeah, um, he also does uh, some awesome podcasts. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Pretty good at the old podcast. By his uh, Agent Institute. That's the one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I met Ben and he just helped me so much transition. Mm. Like, it was amazing. His program's amazing. And that's why I did it for six months. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this because I enjoy it and see if I can make something happen. Mm. Um, and if I don't enjoy it, then I can stay in construction, even though I don't like it. Yeah. But then within two days of starting it, I was just like, no, nah, that's it. I'm, You're sold. I'm, I'm in, 100% yep. in. Mm. Um, so my business, which now <coughs> is 90% focused on investment property, mm. Australia-wide renovation subdivision. Right. Because I was doing home buyers and all this other stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I was passionate about what I came into it was the renovation subdivision, the stuff mm. that I did. Yep. That's what I actually liked and that's what I find makes people the most amount of money. That's what worked mm. for me. That's how you get wealthy. Mm. Um, it's enjoyable. Um, less emotion, more about the dollars. Mm. And at the end of the day, if you want to be actually financially free and for me, walking away from construction was the, the main, like 90% of the reason was so I could spend time with my kids. Mm. So now I, I take three days a week off every single week. Wow. And I just hang out with my kids. My calendar's totally booked out. I do not work for three days. And that was, took me two years to get to that. Mm. But that was my main focus. So I'm like, shit, I can do that in two years after quitting that job. Then that's what I can do for my clients. So wow. a lot of my clients are the same. They just want to quit, quit their job and hang out with their kids. Mm. So 
that's why I find property amazing because you can make a shit ton of money out of it and it really does set you up for wealth mm. and pays you, pays you money. Mm. That just blew my mind that you're like, you're still quite young and you have three days of the week completely set for you, like set aside so you hang out with your kids. Mm. A lot of people even couldn't do that at um, like mid 40s, 50s. Mm. So if that's if that's the byproduct you get from going to real estate, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> it's that that's was awesome. that's like I I've literally designed my business around my lifestyle instead of my lifestyle around my business. Mm. And if I've got a negotiation with a property and I'm with my kids and I'm obviously going to do it, like I'm not just going to. Of course, like it's, yeah. you know, it's not like. But S- I don't. Sorry, I got to hang out with my four year old. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Get away your contract. Sorry about the how you can keep it. No, no, I. But yeah, that's my calendar's booked out. No one can book a thing in. Mm. So. I've designed my business and my life exactly how I want it. Mm. And that was cause of property. Mm. Like I was able to have that as my back. Like I had to sell my property with my divorce. So mm. it didn't all go according to plan, but as mm. life does, what do you do? Yeah. Had to sell everything, give most of it away, mm. but it's just, I'll just start again. I just, I bought a house two weeks ago, uh, another investment property, um, which I'm going to live in for a while um, in Byron Bay. So it's like, okay, Shit got bad. I sold everything, got most of the way. Now I'm moving yeah. to Byron, going to live on the beach. Like, I actually moving to Byron. Yeah, next month. Oh wow! Like life. Congrats, man. So you turn a, something a real bad, posit- like mm. negative, into something positive. Welcome to New South Wales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Twenty years I've been in Melbourne, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be sad. Yeah. Does it does it feel uh, just uh, quickly on that? Does it feel weird that you're moving to a new state? Uh, no. No. I don't know if anyone's noticed what's happened in Melbourne in the last 12 months. Um, but <laughs> I think everyone like <laughs> the around world. the world knows, yeah. So me and my, um, me and my ex-wife have, are both moving. Mm. Kids are going to school up there. Like it was part of our divorce, part mm. of our separation agreement was we both move. To, we're going to move up there. Um, so I've, we've turned this, I've turned a massive negative of like lose it, lose it all. Life's like, everyone mm. think life's over, but I've just gone, nah. Mm. I've got two acres, 20 minutes from Byron Bay. It's got two houses on mm. it. Like, pretty good. So you living property, um, the business of buying property for clients is shifting to... Yeah, yeah, to yeah. That. Okay. yeah, yeah. Nothing, my, like I said, I've focused my business around my life so I mm. can move my life there and nothing will change at all. Okay. And are you buying around all around Australia or are you focusing on where you are like the... No, no, Australia, I buy Australia-wide. Everyone. Yeah, okay. yeah. I've got um, referral partners and business partners in every state that help me with different parts of the process. Yeah. Um, if Chris Hemsworth wants me to buy him a $12 million pad, I'll help him. <laughs> Chris, if you're listening, Chris, even though you just buy, bu- buy that. And even uh, though you just build a Bunnings in a national a, park, but it's all right. If, commission, if, uh, if uh, Chris uh, somehow stumbles on that, <laughs> which is not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, do I get a commission? <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, I just want to talk quickly about the biggest challenges in the buying process from your perspective. Property? Yeah. Uh, finance. Okay. Um, people not being... A, the most important part of the whole thing, building a multi-property portfolio, is finance. Mm. Um Getting, getting finance from the bank or yep. the the deposit or both? Uh, if you have the right mortgage broker, anything's possible. I bought my first property at 105% lend. 
with 15 grand. And I turned that 380 grand into $750,000 in two years from 15 grand. And then I had five mil worth of property within a few years, all because I had a mortgage broker who is amazing. We have to talk. About <laughs> That's awesome. It's, mm. um, it's having the right team behind you. Like, it's mm. like coaches. Like yeah. Buying property is all about the right team. If you have uh, s- starts with finance, it ends with finance. If you can't mm. get money, you can't buy property. If you get the wrong finance and you buy one property, like most people in Australia, I think it's like 5% of the population have two or more properties. Mm. It's like, why? Mm. It's like, okay, buying the wrong property can obviously do damage, but if you can't get finance, that's a major, major issue mm. that a lot of people face. Mm. So you need to, you need to, I guess, start with the end in mind and reverse engineer it. Mm. What do you, what do you want in five, 10, 20 years? Do you want to retire on a hundred thousand dollars a year? Okay. How am I going to get that? I need $6 million worth of property paying me rent paid off. So let's say I am someone who lives in Sydney and I have a job that pays me $120,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting, I haven't bought any property yet. What is a realistic, having the right people behind you, what is a realistic uh, target or goal or portfolio that you can achieve in, let's say, eight years, in your opinion? Um, So you've got to have positive cash flow properties. So right. they're not costing. I think a lot of people try and get negatively geared properties so they can tax write-offs. If you're looking for a tax write-off, you're not making money. Mm. It's a stupid, stupid. Just minimizing investment. what you're paying. It's just, like, yeah. it's a shit. It's a shit strategy. You yeah. want to make money. You don't want to write tax off. Like no, mm. no one likes tax, but mm. so you want positive cash flow properties that have a value add potential. So renovation subdivision. So if mm. you buy, let's say you buy a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar house in Bendigo in Victoria, and your rents. 350 a week and then you can do a renovation on it for 20 grand you get more rent you put your rent up then your property value goes up you can subdivide the back build another house you got two incomes mm. you can do all that for 600 grand um or you could buy a house in sydney for a million dollars it's not going to go up much and your rent rent returns crap mm. so it's thinking outside of one your local suburb which most people go i live in Parramatta, so i'm going to buy in Parramatta. yeah because that's what my uncle tony told me to do mm. um so it's Getting someone to help you think outside the box and work out what, okay, what's best for this person. Mm. Like, there's no reason why in eight years you can't buy 10 properties. You've just got mm. to buy the right ones that you can use to buy the next one. Yeah, because that, that first example of buying a property um, and subdividing it and renovating and all that stuff, in two years' time, that's going to give you a lot of uh, leverage in terms of your income in order to be able to... Um, to, to, to go to the bank again and say, hey, okay, well, my income has increased. Mm. Instead of that property in Sydney that you bought for a million or two million, that's putting a lot of pressure and eating away from your cash. Then you, then you go to the to the bank two years, they're like, sorry, buddy, your income hasn't increased. Your job is not like, hasn't substantially paid you more. Mm. And your property is eating away. On paper, you're making... Less money. <laughs> it's all about on paper with the bank. Yeah. Um, I get a, I, I deal with a lot of um, chiropractors and doctors. So they come to me with like, okay, I've, I've got uh, a loan for a million bucks. Let's go buy a property. And I'm like, how about we buy three properties that are going to do this, like 10 things for you instead of just dropping a mill on something. Mm. And they're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah, of course. Because people go, I've got a million dollars. I'm going to spend it. 
but let's break it down by one see how the process goes see how you feel see mm-hmm. what happens with it and then by the next one then by the next one you don't have to do it all at once people need yeah. to chill the fuck out like mm. it's property is all about patience mm. and if you do it properly and smart then it happens quickly surprisingly if you mm. just take a step back yeah um so break it down to let's buy two three four properties instead mm. of just waxing the lot on one amazing so that kind of covered also my next point which was some tips for buying uh which is chill the fuck out <laughs> And also covered the how do you grow your portfolio in a sense. Are there anything else, is there anything else that you want to share around whether tips or strategies or tactics that you think people should know about? Um, don't, do not tell your friends and family what you're doing. Right. Not for the point of hiding things from them, just because everyone's got a, an opinion yeah. and, they go, and they all think they know what they're talking about. Um, let's say if you're, let's just say you're Greek, right? And your uncle has... 47 properties it's probably because he bought them at 20 grand 30 years ago he doesn't know what's happening in the market now mm. don't listen to him <laughs> like, yeah. i'm sorry yeah time like, changes of course don't listen to people that actually do not know mm. because it's not going to help you in any way mm. the amount of times in my life people have said to me why why would you do that what are you doing like it's stupid it's bad and then you do it five years later they're like oh how did you do that why didn't i listen to you mm. I just don't waste my energy on telling anyone anything because mm. I'm not, I don't, if someone asks me my personal opinion, I'll tell them, but I don't tell people about stuff because it's just the negative energy you get off people in Australia, the p- tall poppy syndrome, people want to cut you down and all they want to give you their advice and they have no idea what they're talking about. Mm. Like you don't go to your mate when you've got a sore tooth, oh, what's wrong with my tooth? Oh, it's fine. Okay, cool. Mm. You go to a fucking dentist. Mm. You know what I mean? It's the same with property. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing of, reaching out to someone that you know you're not going to a random stranger on the street and saying hey buddy you got to do this it's you know when you go out of your way and tell someone uh, your piece of advice you're most of the time it comes uh from a good place mm. you you see something and you know you you think you know um about it and you, you want to tell them what to do to help them um uh, some people do not take it that way some mm. people, whether it's ego, whether it's, you know, being a defensive person by default or assuming that, you know, when you tell them this advice, you're, you got some, you know, mm. like ulterior motives or something, you know. And th- and that's why I think it's really good to share, like you said, mm. advice and ideas and, 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 and your knowledge, but when people ask for it mm-hmm, exactly. and not just go and, you know, give it away because the chances are a lot of people are not going to appreciate it unless they actually come and ask for it. Yeah. And if you're going to ask someone's advice, someone that's literally done it, Mm. like if if your friend has 10 properties, ask them how they did it. Mm. Like not, a lot of people ask the wrong questions. Like, oh, you bought a new Ferrari. You know, oh, cool. How much was it? It's like, okay, who cares how much it was? How about Mm. you ask him how did he get it? Like, what did you do to get that? You know what I mean? How much it was because they want to ascertain the wealth. (laughs) Yeah, they want to go and get a. It's like ask the person how they got to where they Mm. got to. How did you get that ten properties? Like strategically, how did you get it? Who Mm. did you use to get that? Get it? Did you do Mm. it yourself? Did you use a buyer's agent? Did you like what did you physically do to get it? Mm. Like people ask the wrong questions. Yep. Like I don't care if it's worth a hundred million dollars. I want to know how you got it, Mm. and then you take extract that information. And then ask professionals about it. Mm. 
amazing amazing thank you so much man it's it's been an honor to have you uh i think we covered a ton of important topics interesting and cool topics so uh <laughs> i'm uh yeah i'm I'm honored to have you and yeah i look forward to next time you're back again in sydney maybe we'll catch up again and do one I'll of these a, and i'll be a new south welshman soon you're a new south Wales <laughs> resident now so you're one of us <laughs> yes i did grow up in canberra so i'm kind of coming home that's it. Yeah. That's it. Canberra's pretty close. So. Grew up in a circus, but and I also lived in Canberra. Yeah. We didn't talk about the circus, did we? <laughs> no. Do you want it? <laughs> um, what? Just as uh, closing on a very, very different topic, but just curious, because uh, obviously you lived in Victoria for twenty years. Um, what do you think is going to happen in Victoria if should the virus surface again? Do you think it will be as, uh, I guess you can call it conservative or strict or whatever, like very um, sort of intense reaction? Um, and I'm not a politician. I'm not going to go into uh, Mr. Daniel Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> but just general thoughts on what you think can happen and sh- should happen if the mm. virus surfs again. Melbourne was literally the best city. I mean, I've traveled the world multiple times. Um, was literally the best city in the world mm. for culture, food, music. Everything about Melbourne was amazing. Quality of life. It was the best, except for the yep. weather in Melbourne. The winter yep. sucks. Like Melbourne without Melbourne's culture is 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 a shit city. It's mm. cold. The beaches suck. It's got nothing, right? Yeah. So this year, which is why I'm leaving, because I, I personally don't think it can get back to how it was for a very, 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 very long time. Excuse me. You reckon? No, I think wow. it's a lot of the a lot of the good places are like a lot of the souls being sucked out of it. A lot of the yeah. expats have left, which kind of made it cool. Um, the music scene is pretty. Like a lot of my good friends are in the music scene. They're going to make it very hard for proper dance parties to happen, for concerts to happen. I think next winter it's definitely going to be just as bad as it was this year. Personally. Mm. Um, Dan Andrews or whoever else, it's not going to make a difference. Like mm. he handled it very poorly. He's got three years left, but if he wasn't there, it's. I don't think it'd be much different, to be honest. I think it would still. I mean, you got the other the other side. I don't even know who they are, but saying they do everything differently, but that's what politicians do. They yeah. always go against the other person. But mm. if it was flipped the other way, it'd probably be exactly exactly the same mm. situation. Yeah. So I don't. Um, unfortunately, I think Melbourne's not going to be the same for a very long time which is yeah, why that, i'm leaving that's sad to hear but you know what i think a lot of us expected when we saw all of this unfolding like five six months ago across the world we knew that it will take a, like maybe the economy in general will, will rebound faster but a lot of these other things like the culture you know personal freedom um entertainment all these things are not going to bounce back and, and come back to where they were um, for quite some time, unfortunately. Well, economy or no economy, I think that's really not the important part. The, the culture and what has Melbourne has been built on for so many years has had the heart ripped out of it mm. and that you can't just replace. Economy, give people grants, give people money. Okay, cool, economy's going again but how do you get someone's soul back? <laughs> it's like, 
I've been through a soul searching experience. It was brutal. Tried to do that to a whole city, like hundreds and hundreds of businesses and musicians and people who have just mm. like been drained. How do you just turn that back on? Pretty hard. So I don't know if you heard about this, but they used to do studies on animals, um, specifically elephants. I read this somewhere um, where, or not maybe studies. I think it was just, it came by coincidence. Anyway, long story short, um, an elephant that has chains around him, right? On um, four sides. And they're just like sitting there or standing there every day, day in, day out. After years or months, if you unchain them, they will not just walk and, and just like go around and like the conditioning of you, like at some point they just even forget. Like mm. it's just become, it just became the reality. And I think the parallel I'm trying to draw, draw here is us being free citizens, <laughs> being able to enjoy a lot of things. At some point if you, and I'm not saying they have, okay, um, at some point, if they continue to take that away from you, you're almost going to forget. 100%. They used to do all these things. Human connection is like why we're here, right? Communi mm. Community and connection is literally the lifeblood of humans. Like mm. I'm a very spiritual person and if people should probably get more spiritual than they are. Mm. And you realize how important the earth and other, like the atmosphere and the energy you get off other people and when they restrict people from seeing each other, it's you can't just go, oh, okay, I'm just going to go back out and it's all going to just be redone. Like a lot of people in Melbourne are out and about, but there's still a lot of people that aren't. They're just still, it's like they're still in lockdown. And that's, that's their new life. Like they're just like, okay, maybe I do kind of just like hanging out at home. Maybe I'm a little bit scared. Mm. Like fear is debilitating. Mm. And I personally don't, I'm not worried. So I'm out, whatever. Mm. Um, I haven't been worried the whole time. I'm just like, fucking, mm. I guess you see I'm going to die. Like I could die, get mm. hit by a car, like whatever. So a lot of people will never come back, which is bad for mm. them. Like people haven't seen their own parents and grandparents for a long time. Like that's your, literally your blood <laughs> and you haven't communicated with them or, or, or seen them. Mm. That's not good for anyone. Mm. Um, so I think in Melbourne that we've been hammered so hard that getting that vibe back, a hundred percent, I don't think it will, I don't know if it's ever going to happen in my lifetime. You reckon? I'm 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 a bit more positive or optimistic than that. Just a tiny bit. I think it will take time. Um, but it it would be sort of those one of those things where, like, you get your it's like exponential. Like it's you get you get fifty percent of it back, and then you get eighty. You never get the 100%, but at some point, you know, getting to the 90% is going to be good enough that will just, like, be okay and then just let the rest take its mm. course. I find that a lot of people who are like me, who, like, I was deep in the scene of Melbourne for such a long time and people are actually going to leave because they're saddened by what's happened mm. and they're going to go and other places like Queensland, like Brisbane's very... Up and coming. Yeah, it's got a shit culture, right? Mm. And it's changing. And when, let's just say, half a million people from Melbourne moved to Brisbane and created a new, fresh culture of people that want to, like, bring it up, mm. that's taking the lifeblood of Melbourne away from it. So yep. it's up to the people 
who are younger than us to do it, but do they have the same education and culture that we had? Mm. So it's going to be a very different, I think, a very different culture. That's a very valid point. It's like a team that sells half of their players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, You've lost the culture. Like Michael Jordan's basketball team, yeah, he was the best, but he had a culture of mm. winning and he had the team. Like once they left, that was it. Yep. They didn't win again. <laughs> it's like you've taken this culture out of sport. That's why sport and business are so related. Mm. Like every, if you ever read a sports book, it's all about just business structure. Yeah. And that's all about 100% about culture, building cultures. Yeah. Um, like Brene Brown goes into footy teams. Like the reason mm. Richard won their first grand final, they had Brene Brown in there talking about vulnerability and culture. And they got them as one, like one unit. Mm. If you took half of that away, there's, there's no way. Even if you mm. put, replace them with the best players in the whole world, it's not going to, mm. they're not going to win. Yeah. So it's sad. To, that's, that's my opinion. It's sad to see that Melbourne's like this. Um, but for me, I'm just going to take my energy somewhere else and make it better there. <laughs> you pack your energy, <laughs> put it in the backpack and go. Off I go. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, uh, dude, like it's been, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, enjoy your new chapter in Vine Bay. I'm sure we'll connect again for sure. 100%. Thanks for having me, man. It's been great. Anytime. <laughs>